Well, hello, I'm Dan Lucaser. I'm a director of medical education at the Institute for Functional Medicine, and I am sitting here with Anne Hathaway, who is a board-certified family physician and also is IFM, uh, an IFM-certified practitioner, and we're going to talk a bit about cognitive decline in women and specifically hormone replacement therapy uh, in women and uh, how Dr. Hathaway assesses and treats those women. So, Anne, thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I want to start off with just you talking a little bit about <clears throat> your um, kind of initial workup of how you um, assess a woman that comes in with you've determined cognitive decline. How do you determine that she has cognitive decline? Do you do some testing on that? And then is there some follow-up laboratory testing to um, w uh, after you've talked about uh, hormone replacement therapy and talked about the, some of the benefits that you think that would accrue from that? How, how do you kind of start that process? Well, I've been working with the Bredesen Protocol for almost two years now. Now, Bredesen Protocol, you're familiar with it, mm -hmm. but maybe not all the listeners. But Bredesen Protocol is a very um, complex assessment of someone based on um, uh, a lot of different biomarkers. One of those biomarkers is their estradiol level. So in a postmenopausal woman, you would want to assess um, multiple hormones, including estradiol, estrone, progesterone, DHEA, pregnenolone. And um, in, in the context of doing the entire Bredesen protocol, that involves diet, sleep, exercise, um, stress, stress reduction, and uh, a large number of biomarkers. You know, we're looking at methylation markers, we're looking at um, uh, vitamin and nutrient levels, we're of course looking at vitamin D. All those things are important. But one important marker that we found in postmenopausal women in terms of their risk of uh, developing Alzheimer's disease is their estradiol level. Uh, so, for example, I have seen. Uh, a 72-year-old woman who came in to my office with cognitive impairment. Her husband noticed that she wasn't able to do, uh, put on a conference that she put on every year for many years. And she asked him for help. And in the process of her asking him for help, she, he realized, like, wow, you are impaired. Okay, so through... Uh, a process, they end up coming to see me. And what I find out in the process of interviewing her is that at age 72, she was taken off her estradiol patch that she'd been on since menopause. Three months later, she had this cognitive impairment that was quite full-blown. Over the process of evaluating her for many things and correcting many biomarkers, we also corrected her estradiol level uh, back from about a 2 up to about a 38. With that, she was able to regain her ability to put on this conference, to organize her mind, 
to organize the material for the conference, to follow a schedule, um, to remember people's names, all the things that she was having a tremendous amount of trouble with. So that's an example of um, the kind of person who we would um, really think about strongly that estrogen is an important factor in her cognitive function. Now, we corrected many things. If you're familiar with uh, Dr. Bredesen's protocol, you know he talks about there's 36 holes uh, in the roof when you're looking at, at a brain with cognitive impairment. Um, but uh, there is significant research that strongly suggests, without going into the details, that if you started women on estradiol at the time of menopause and continue it, continued it on into their 60s, 70s, even 80s, we don't know for sure because there's no research mm -hmm. that answers that question, that we would prevent uh, at least 30 to 40 percent of Alzheimer's disease in women. So that raises uh, some interesting questions. So you obviously are, as you uh, pointed out, are, are fixing a number of holes in the roof and so using systems biology, a, a function, functional medicine approach and, and uh, hormone mm, balancing replacement is but one. Um, so with kind of focusing down on that specific area then, um, you're looking at particular uh, hormonal levels in the blood. You test, are you, are you looking at serum markers and yes, estradiol yeah. in, specifically? And then uh, what I'm uh, curious, and I think uh, the listeners will be curious, is um, you alluded to, well, how long do you keep them on? That you do that indefinitely and, and follow up? And as another part to that question, what if a woman is perimenopausal and has some cognitive decline that you've measured in, in some way. Are you doing the that same kind of, obviously it's a little bit harder because you don't know where estradiol levels are, but can you speak to both of those, uh, kind of two um, uh, bigger questions? Yeah, absolutely. There are a, a number of women, uh, you know, probably the majority of women who have some kind of difficulty at perimenopause or what we call the menopausal transition, right? sleep difficulties, uh, mood changes, uh, you know, of course, the hot flashes and the night sweats, all of those things. And some of those women definitely have issues that are cognitive in nature. I've seen several uh, high, very high-functioning women, women who function as CEOs or run a big law firm <clears throat> or that kind of thing, and they're extremely talented and good at what they do. And they go through menopause, they're in the menopausal transition, and boom, they can't delegate, they can't prioritize, they are completely dysfunctional. Now this is a minority, but it is very interesting when you see that kind of a, of a person. And uh, yeah, if we correct their estradiol from somewhere below 10 to back up to 40 or 50, they are back on. Uh, I, I've seen that repeatedly. I mean, I've been working with bioidentical hormones uh, for over 20 years now. And so over the years, I've seen quite a few women in that position, even though it's, it's a minority. And um, 
yeah, absolutely. They are astounded at how much uh, that drop in estrogen impacts their ability to function. Mm -hmm. And how about the, the long-term use of estradiol in their 60s, 70s, or 80s? Do you, once you put somebody on, uh, a, a woman on that kind of therapy, um, are you leaving her on that therapy and continuing to monitor her estradiol levels in that case? Absolutely. <clears throat> I mean, always and importantly, we have to assess the woman in terms of all of her uh, risk factors, and you always have to do a risk-benefit analysis for each woman at each stage of life. Um, and that's quite a complex process to go through all of it. But of course, the elephant in the room is always breast cancer, right? But it's important to know that at age 60, a woman's risk of breast cancer, her lifetime risk of breast cancer is 9.3% going forward. Her risk of Alzheimer's disease at age 65 is 17.2%. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can't, one of my big issues here is that what's generally understood by most physicians and the general public is that estrogen increases breast cancer risk. And I think actually that's a big black box question mark. Does it or does it not? Um, there's only very few double-blind placebo control studies that look at that. And both of them, without going into the details, suggest that estrogen either doesn't increase the risk or decreases the risk. Once you add in the usual progestin, synthetic progestin to the mix, hydroxyprovera, of course, everything changes because hydroxyprovera has multiple del deleterious effects on the breast. Medroxyprogesterone has been shown over and over again to increase breast cancer risk. So if you take that out of the equation, everything changes. So anyway, both at the time of menopause, at 60, at 70, at 80, I would reevaluate a woman for her risk to benefit ratio, and I would continue her on estrogen, all things being equal, mm -hmm. right? In particular, of course, if they're an APOE4 carrier, it's more important. If they have a family history of Alzheimer's disease, it's more important. If they have a history of major depression, because all of those things, APOE4 carrier, uh, Alzheimer's disease in a first-degree family member, or a history of major depression, they are at increased risk of Alzheimer's disease. And uh, you have to put that into balance with um, whatever the possible breast cancer risk is. And so in most cases, when you have someone with obvious cognitive decline, you're going to err on the side of keeping them on the estrogen, in my opinion. Bioidentical progesterone, there's not a lot of good studies, but bioidentical progesterone uh, has not been shown in the one study where they used it, the KEEP study, to uh, increase breast cancer risk when it's used with either low-dose Premarin or transdermal estradiol. And it's, it's, it's important, I haven't said this yet, it's very important to say that I only and always use 
transdermal estradiol. Oral estradiol is a bad idea for multiple reasons. Um, it increases um, C-reactive protein, it increases fibrinogen, increases PI-1, so it increases uh, the tendency towards coagulation problems. So transdermal estradiol has been shown multiple times to be superior for cognitive results, and it also has no effect on uh, C-reactive protein, fibrinogen, or other coagulation markers. Mm -hmm. So are you using then uh, uh, natural progesterone uh, along with estradiol in women with intact uteruses and, uh, and that sort of thing? Or so is it, is it you're using both of those and therefore are you measuring both of those? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. If a woman has a uterus, you have to give her progesterone to protect her uterine lining from endometrial overgrowth, which can then become endometrial cancer. That's, that's an important thing to be aware of and you need to balance the estrogen with the progesterone. That's a, a kind of a technical thing where you need to learn the numbers and how they work with each other. But at a certain estrogen level, you know, okay, you, d you determine uh, sh this woman does well cognitively at an estradiol level of 40, but not at an estradiol level of 25. So you need to have a progesterone level that matches that estradiol level of 40 and is protective of her. Mm -hmm. So you you mentioned you're kind of balancing the the risks uh, with uh, cognitive decline slash Alzheimer's versus uh, risk for breast cancer. So, and you mentioned some genetic tests, obviously ABOE4, um, as as a as a, a potential marker uh, uh, for uh, cognitive decline in Alzheimer's. Are you also then doing other uh, tests on a regular basis? Um, uh, looking for uh, genetic markers for increased risk for breast cancer. Are you looking at, you know, uh, CYP1A2 and uh, yes. th those sorts of things? Do you do that regularly? And, and tell, us, tell us a little bit about those specific tests that so you're using. This is a complicated uh, set of data, and usually when I talk about this, uh, there's a big diagram up on the screen that shows uh -huh. the metabolites uh -huh. for all of your estrogens. But yes, I look at the estrogen metabolites in all my patients. So estradiol and estrone both are metabolized down the 2-hydroxy pathway, the 4-hydroxy pathway, and the 16-hydroxy pathway. We favor the 2-hydroxy pathway. 2-hydroxy can turn into 2-methoxy, and 2-methoxy estradiol is a anti-inflammatory an anti-proliferative compound. So we very much favor metabolism across that pathway. And you can enhance that pathway, right? The 1A1 enzyme, which turns the estradiol into 2-hydroxy, uh, right? So that can be enhanced by cruciferous vegetables, by diendolimethane, by indole-3-carbonyl, which are supplements that include the active ingredient in the cruciferous vegetables. Adequate iodine and adequate selenium also improve that pathway, and uh, the lignans from flaxseed also improve that pathway. Then, to get from 2-hydroxy to 2-methoxy, it's a methylation enzyme, right? So B12, methylfolate, and all the things that we know that enhance uh, methylation will enhance the uh, um, metabolism of the 2-hydroxy estradiol to 2-methoxyestradiol. 
we want to avoid the pathway from uh, <clears throat> estradiol estrone uh, down the 1B1 pathway because that turns into 4-hydroxy estradiol or estrone. And the 4-hydroxy estrogens are able to be metabolized into a 3,4-quinone. 3,4-quinone is our real bad guy here because 3,4-quinone is a planar molecule shaped like a hydrocarbon, and it can diffuse directly into the nucleus of the cell. In this case, we're concerned about breast cells, and break your DNA. It binds, makes what we call DNA addicts, breaks the DNA, the pieces of DNA fall out, and over time, if you are producing a lot of 3,4-quinones and breaking a lot of DNA, eventually your risk for breast cancer goes up. So we can avoid uh, or we can decrease the 1B1 metabolism by avoiding xenoestrogens and other toxins, phthalates, uh, bisphenol A, some of, some of the well-known toxins we're exposed to. Uh, of course, bisphenol A is on every um, receipt that you're handed in the bank or the grocery store. Um, it's in many canned products, the inside lining of a can. And phthalates, of course, are in plastics. So every uh, plastic bag that your food is wrapped in or that you touch, you're exposed to a little tiny bit of phthalates, right? Organochlorines and other toxins also are metabolized by the cytochrome P450 1B1 enzyme. So when you decrease your exposure to xenoestrogens, eat organic food, avoid plastics, avoid bisphenol A, you decrease your breast cancer risk. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're doing, in terms of the testing uh, you're doing, you're doing a test for uh, phenotype as opposed to the, the genotypic tests. Are, are you doing the 1B1 test and, and uh, using that as, as part of your assessment, or are you mostly doing the, the 2, 4, and 16, the serum or the urine? I used to do the genetic test, but I've stopped doing that because I think actually measuring the markers is is more pertinent. What what level of, of uh, 4-hydroxy and 4-methoxy are they making, mm -hmm. right? Um, it's, it's a good question. So are there certain women that you're mm, uh, very reluctant from a genotypic standpoint, they're BRCA1 or BRCA2, or, or I don't know, there's, there are other uh, gene markers that put a woman at higher risk? Are you more reluctant or you're, again, weighing the risks and benefits and then continuing to follow up with these uh, serum markers, et cetera? Well, I will say that uh, I only have had about uh, three known BRCA patients, BRCA1 or 2 positive patients in my practice over the years. And in one case, she very much wants to be on estrogen replacement. She's aware of significant benefits from that. Um, and we do follow her very closely, but I do have her on uh, a low dose of bioidentical estrogen and progesterone with a very thorough informed consent, mm -hmm. of course. Um, she understands the risks and the benefits, um, but she is a very um, compliant patient. She's very careful about her diet and her supplements. And, um, you know, there is even a question in my mind does estrogen increase the risk of breast cancer with BRCA1, you know, or is it a different mechanism? Because what P450 
people may not realize is that estradiol has multiple antioxidant properties. Estradiol, uh, we have estradiol receptors in our mitochondria, right? Uh, it upregulates mitochondria. We, re we produce less reactive oxygen species with estradiol present. Estradiol binds to intracellular receptors that activate uh, uh, antioxidant uh, species being produced in the cell. So the same reasons why estradiol is protective in the brain, there may be protective, uh, protective activities in the breast, especially if you metabolize your estrogens correctly. And that is something that we, uh, an individual, you know, and we as, as our, the physicians advising them, have a tremendous ability to impact the, the, the health of the breast on estradiol by the kinds of things we talked about when we're talking about the metabolic pathways. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I want to thank you, Anne, for really giving us a, a, um, you know, a larger systems-based functional medicine approach to not only a, a cognitive decline in, a, in an older woman, but really specifically diving down into what you do in, in terms of hormone replacement therapy.